Many of us have watched Sage Steele on our televisions for many, many years as an anchor on Sports Center for decades at ESPN, realizing really her childhood dream of one day being in sports and as a sports broadcaster. And certainly she has been in the headlines for many reasons over the last few years. But as we sat down and had a conversation and yes, shed some tears and did get emotional, you start to understand where that strength that Sage has to stand for what she believes in and where that strength really does come from. It comes from knowing truth and it comes from a faith and a relationship with God that has really strengthened her in some tough times. Uh, She comes from an amazing, remarkable family as well, and that certainly built the foundation for her life. And that foundation for times of of darkness, for times of isolation, for times of difficulty to lean into, yes, that family, but even more so that strength in her faith. Get your tissues out. (laughs) I sure needed a few after this wonderful conversation with ESPN's H. Steele. We shared a similar employer for a lot of years. I don't, I was trying to think back. Did we ever, you were NBA for so many of those years. I was doing college yeah. football. Did we ever cross? I don't, I don't think I was a big enough star to cross pass on your sports center set ever. Did we? Oh, stop. Uh, I think we passed cross paths in the makeup room, which is a very important place for you and I, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hair and makeup hair. Yeah. Big, big time for, for us, for sure. For the talent there, we yes. may not have crossed paths, but I'll say I have so appreciated your faith, your conviction, uh, through the years watching you. I was in the FCA breakfast just a couple of years ago to Super Bowl, watching you model just your witness, um, who you are, what you are, but I know very little other than what Wikipedia has taught me quickly on uh, where this all came from. So let's go back to the beginning, if you wouldn't mind, and then we'll walk through your journey, uh, your faith journey, which has been tremendous, um, your sports journey, which has been awesome to watch as well, and how you've navigated all of that. But take me back to the beginning. I know you were a military kiddo um, that bounced around just a little bit. Take me back to the earliest roots of Sage Steel. Wow. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on. And it's, it's cool because I haven't, uh, I'm just getting more comfortable talking openly about my faith. And now I'm to the point in life where I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to say what I want. No more holding back. And so I'm, I'm excited that you asked me to do it. Yeah. Army brat, very proud army brat. And, um, I mean, by the time I was 11, I lived in four different countries. So when people ask me and several States, so when people ask me, where are you from? I'm like, I do not know. Pick a place. I probably live there. And for a while, I was envious of kids who had a place to call home, you know, a traditional hometown. And and I thought, first thought it was weird. And then I was like, gosh, that would be really cool to be able to take my kids back to where I played softball or whatever. And it's just impossible. Um, or it would have to be, you know, 15 different trips in different countries and it gets expensive. So but I love it. And I look back now and, and I'm so grateful for what it taught me to come out of my shell. I was super shy, like crazy shy and still get, get very shy quite often, um, which maybe might, might surprise people, but it's the truth. And, um, and it just taught me also the true meaning of just diversity and tolerance and acceptance, because in the military, I always say it's like the most worldly diverse slash sheltered community you could ever grow up in because everybody looks different. And I come from an interracial marriage where my mom's white, Irish, Italian, Catholic from Massachusetts. My dad's 
African-American, Black from um, Army Brad as well, kind of homeless also. And so we didn't look different in the military. Everybody, Asian, Black, Hispanic, it was beautiful. That's all I knew. Mm. So that's to me. But but then the difficult part was coming back into, you know, the civilian world and people not being as accepting and tolerant and getting funny looks, depending on where where we lived in the country. So that was a, a big adjustment. Uh, so I'm super grateful for what that taught me is just to be so tolerant of, of not tolerant. That sounds like it's difficult, but I mean, I just look at people as people, not race, not gender, not politics, not anything. And to me, that's the healthiest way that apparently we've gotten away from, but I'm so grateful for it. But real quick, here's the, you got to remember this born in Panama, went to West Point. Uh, my dad was a football coach there after he had played there. Um, when, by the way, Coach K was a basketball coach at the same time at Army that my dad was. My dad played for Coach Parcells at Army, like all kinds of fun stuff. Anyway, West Point to Indianapolis, to Monterey, California, to Greece for two and a half years, to Belgium for three years, to Colorado Springs for five years. That was my world record. Senior of high school, moved to outside of Indianapolis, and then IU for five years, and then too many moves career-wise after that. So when I say I'm homeless... <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> but you had two brothers, right? Yeah. You have two brothers. Yeah. You have a mom and dad. We'll get to, to some of their story as yeah. well and your dad's story, which, as you said, could be almost probably one of these podcasts too. Pretty remarkable guy. <laughs> so tell me how two brothers helped shape uh, you and, and who we are talking to today. Well, I'm the oldest uh, and the perfect child. You can ask them. Uh, I was actually super annoying in that I was such a pleaser a disease I'm still trying to recover from now. I'm, I'm in rehab from that. Uh, and so I'm the oldest. I'm 50, Chad's 48, and Courtney's 41. So he's like the baby baby. And I thought he was my child when he was born. Um, he's really special. Obviously, both of them are. We're very close now. Sometimes it takes a few years, as you know. Um, and so Chad is Chad played basketball at Winthrop University um, uh, in the late 90s. And then um, he's now, gosh, Ben, this is his, about to start his 21st season in PR with the Baltimore Ravens. He was with the, um, hmm. the 49ers for three years before then and Ravens and Panthers as an intern. Um, and he's now a senior vice president of communications and PR for the Baltimore. Like, I'm so proud of him, Brock. I'm so proud of not just what he's done, but how he's done it. Um, and he's just awesome. A father hmm. of two kids, 13 and nine. His wife is my person. She's one of my best friends on the planet. The sister I never had. We always say we like Wendy a lot better than we like Chad. Um, <laughs> and then uh, my youngest brother, Courtney, lives out in Los Angeles. We're trying to get him out of there and back to the East Coast where family, you know, all of us are family-wise. Um, and he is in the entertainment business and runs, manages music festivals um, in Las Vegas and L.A. and Palm Springs and Miami. So he's kind of all over the place. But um, hopefully he's coming back East pretty soon because as we've all learned, I mean, through COVID and everything else, we've always been an extremely co close family, but with everything happening with some health issues with my father, we need to be together. So I'm working mm. on that. Tell me about that home. So there's your brothers. Uh, your dad was, um, for, for those that may not know that, that don't Google Sage Steele or her family or her amazing uh, mom and dad, your dad was the first African-American football player at West Point. A pretty yeah. remarkable, remarkable story in and of itself. But tell me about, tell me about him. Tell me about mom. Tell me about the home that you grew up on and, 
And was that where the foundation of your faith and your love of sport and and who you are and so much of what we see today? They're everything. And my dad will be 77. He's about to turn 77. My mom's about to be 74. They look and act. I mean, their spirit is so much younger. They are my why besides my three kids. They're everything. Um, But I honestly, there's a really, really cool story. And I always... I'm always honored if people take the time to watch it, but NFL Films did a piece on my parents probably six years ago, five years ago. That is, it's pinned on my my Twitter. Um, and it just goes into the story of how they met. And it really explains beautifully why I am who I am today because of what they went through. And, and just the background quickly is that um, they met in 1970. My dad had just graduated from West Point. My mom was a flight attendant in New York City and they went to a surprise birthday party. Um, for him and she showed up with some girl who's like hey we're going to the party with a bunch of West Point cadets my mom's like let's go and uh and you know that was that was it they got married at 22 but my mom's parents um disowned her because she was marrying a black man and Mm. I look back at that and the strength that that took Mm. to have to make a choice a decision between your family and the man that you love I don't know how she did it so Mm. My mother is the strongest person that I know, um, and my dad's right there behind her. But I'd say uh, my mom really has set that example. And in October of this year, it'll be 52 years. So um, I'm just in awe of them, but they just instilled that strength in me. And um, even when I didn't know that's what they were doing. But when we lived in, in particular in Belgium, I remember sitting around on weekends wanting, uh, watching sports with my dad and on the couch. And there was only one English speaking TV station. And this is, you know, like early 80s. And so if I wanted to, if we wanted to watch sports, it was one channel and we got Cowboys, Cowboys Redskins at the time or, you know, Lakers Celtics, whatever it was. But it was always only the star teams that they'd put on. And it was our connection back to America. But I was such a daddy's girl and still am <laughs> that I knew that in order to spend some time with him, I mean, he was so involved. He coached all the teams. He did it all. But in his down, little bit of downtime, he wanted to watch football and basketball and I mm-hmm. wanted to be with him. So that's where it began. My love of sports. And I, he would quiz me and, you know, really go hard on me. Like, okay, you like sports. You want to do this? Guess what? Here's what you need to know. Let's go. And he was tough, but I, I was the smartest sports person in that family, which translated into high school and college when I'm in the dorms and the guys are like, you want to do what for a living? Let's go trivia. And I beat them all. So, um, (laughs) I go back to that time, but I, I will say this, my, my, um, I I don't know. I look back at kind of the recent stuff, um, with me job wise and career wise and publicly. And so it's not been easy for sure. Uh, but my point is no matter what it is personally and professionally, um, I look back at what mom and dad went through and that mm-hmm. was a choice, right? Mm-hmm. They chose to do this life together. And with that came a lot, but they pushed through it. And so, and that was such a different time. I think people today have no, there's no perspective and no clue at some of the, the tough things. Not that I'm, you know, minimizing everything, but man, we've come a long way in this country and my parents are proof. And so that's why I'm so grateful um, for them for choosing the harder right, which is something that is a long story that comes through West Point with my dad um, when they didn't have to. Not only did it create us and this beautiful family that we have, 
Uh, it made me look in the mirror and know that this might feel tough, but it's really not that bad because look at what they did. And I feel like I owe it to them to, uh, to always give it my best and to not back down or not be fearful. Uh, two quick asides before we push on into uh, your high school and your formative media years. Did your mom's parents ever circle back? Did they ever come they back? Did. And They did. It took about six years. Um, and I'll never forget her telling me when she was pregnant with me. And she's the oldest of four, my mom. And so I was the first grandchild. And they were living in Panama at the time. And so there's this scared 22-year-old woman. My mom was young, you know. And... Um, you know, they couldn't afford to call long distance and it was letters and everything. Uh, she would, the what few times she did call, she would hang up, they would hang up the phone, not take her calls. Um, she wrote them all the time, wrote them letters and would send pictures of me after I was born. Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine being alone through that incredible time. And then back in those days, like they didn't even allow men, at least not in Panama. And we were on American soil there, but we didn't allow men in the delivery room. So my mother was alone in every way, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, just from not having mom and dad willing to love her or love her, love their first grandchild because of the color of someone's skin. Um, So they did come back and it was tough. And my mother forgave for sure. My dad forgave as well. But in the NFL film speech, if anybody watches it, that's the coolest. I never knew this about my dad. He, um, he would write letters every few weeks, once a month to my grandfather in particular, my mom's dad, just to let him know that despite the fact that he wouldn't talk to them, that, that my grandpa wouldn't talk to them or my grandmother, that he was taking care of their daughter. And Mm. it just, I, I, I never knew that. So that piece taught so much. And I thought, my goodness, it was very emotional for me because I thought, (laughs) how do they have the strength to, to, to do that? And so, um, Again, it's full perspective. It's big picture. Like, who am I to to be upset about this or that? Be upset, but then perspective. And so they're the most beautiful. And I'm going to tell you right now, as we're speaking today, they are in the process of moving. Why am I crying? This is your fault. Why am I crying? Um, <laughs> I think you <laughs> saw me wipe my eyes, so I apologize. I'm out. I'm done. I, I start losing it. But yep. they're in the process today as we speak of driving to Florida. They've decided to move. Um, my dad's cancer has him. He's always cold. He's always, mm-hmm. you know, and so they're done with the Northeast and they're driving to Jacksonville, Florida to move and start their life over in their mid seventies as we speak. Wow. I am, I'm so proud of them. And um, just by the grace of God, we've had my dad around for an extra 12 years. He's been battling these cancers. Um, wow. So, they're my why. They really are. And that's where I get my yeah. toughness slash stubbornness slash uber sensitivity. I'm so sensitive. <laughs> I just fake it really well on TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to let you wipe your tears and I'm going to lighten it up just a little bit before we get back to that, <laughs> that harder right. So you were born Sage Steel. With a name like that, you were either going to be a remarkable athlete or just an absolute TV star, right? Like you... You you don't name a child Sage like that. Just it, it just resonates, right? You just <laughs> you say that name. Yep, that name is. I could picture a point guard for, you know, Iowa, or I could picture an anchor at Sports Center. Sage Steel. You were just kind of destined I, for no one what ever you're doing, aren't you? It was my, 
they never believed it was my real name. Nobody like, that's your stage name. What's your real name? I'm like, no, really, <laughs> this is my name. And that's why when I got married, I actually hyphenated because um, I didn't want to let go of steel, not just because of the way it sounded, but because of what it meant yeah. and steel strong and us being the, the steel family of five, no matter where we went in the world, we were alone. We're starting over every couple of years. So whether that meant with neighbors or, you know, kids at school, we're, we started over a lot. And so we are steel. Um, mm -hmm. And then so I hyphenated and I'm no longer married and I chopped that off and I'm back to just just steal. Um, yeah. yeah, I had to do something big. I just didn't know it. I didn't know <laughs> that I certainly wasn't going to be a Hollywood actress or anything like that. So here I am, sports girl. So talk to me about the faith element. The military was huge. I did do some reading on your dad and just saw a couple months ago he spoke and, um, you know, that that harder right was a big part, I'm sure, of a lot of what he shares and speaks at. Tell me about the faith element in your home and how that grew and that developed over time as well. Grew up Catholic. Um, I'm still a practicing Catholic. Um, I, it wasn't a choice to go to church every day, to go to mass every Sunday. Um, it's just what we did. I um, was an altar server with my brother. And, and what I always loved about the Catholic church is that I could go anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, and walk in and feel comfortable. And the smell is the same. And the, the, the hymns are the same. And I love that. That was very comforting to me, especially considering the fact that I... There was so much change in my life and nothing was consistent. But so to have that consistent was kind of cool. Um, and then and then you go to college and then you, you know, you make your own decisions. And um, I never lost my faith, but I just wasn't practicing in college. I, I was mm -hmm. prayed. Uh, and then I started to go again towards the end there when I was at, at IU at Indiana University. Um, and then when I got married, I mean, that was a requirement that my husband, you know, had a, a faith and he was a Christian and, and actually went through and became a Catholic and he's still practicing as well. And so whether the kids are with me or with him and I have two in college and one in high school, but no matter is this time of year in the summertime, um, they go with each of us, whoever's weekend it is. And that's remained very important to us, uh, while co-parenting. Um, but I will say my faith now has never been stronger it's kind of cool through, you know, a very difficult decision to end my marriage. And we were married for two days shy of 20 years um, together for so 20 years married together for 27 total. My first boyfriend, like mm -hmm. everything, every, the only thing I ever knew. But God gave me many signs along the way that I it's they're incredible. And it, it happened three or four times with that situation in particular and a couple others. And my mother, when I've described it to my mother, she always tells me, she's like, I would give anything to experience what you have as far as feeling God. It's, it's amazing what I have felt story for another day, but, um, I, I wouldn't have been able to receive that and, and to understand what those feelings were. I don't think if it weren't for the, the base that my parents gave me, you know? Um, so through that difficult period, and that happened about three months. The divorce was final about three months before COVID hit. And so then the world shut down and we're up here in the Northeast and Connecticut was insane with COVID and shut down everything. And I had three teenagers at home at the time. They're, you know, 13, 15 and 17. And their world world was rocked from that. Um, no school, no sports, no friends. 
and their parents had just split up. So it was a brutal time. Mm. Um, and then through work drama and public things, I'm so grateful that I had that faith coming in because I would not be here without it. When I was a player, I would write Philippians 4.13 like a lot of athletes would on wristbands or as reminders. And that's obviously a very, certainly among competitors, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As I've gotten older and in my mid-40s and raising kids of similar age to you, Sage, and walking through you know, just the ups and downs in the journey, I am so much more reminded of the verses that precede that, um, precede that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They're the verses of peace that transcends all understanding. They're the, they are the verses that present, you know, your request to God and come to him, you know, to really come to him. And, um, and, and he will provide, as you said, that, that peace, that the, the rest of, no matter how much fame, no matter how much fortune, no matter how much the world throws at you, good, bad, and ugly, it just never fills uh, that hole. I think I've realized that as I've gotten a little bit older in my life. Um, you talked about the last two, three years as well uh, in the public realm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that piece that surpasses understanding. You've had to lean into a time or two as well. Oh, every day, every single day. So... Um, when I got, uh, suspended, um, and taken off the air in October of 2021, um, I also had gotten COVID, uh, pretty bad at the same time. So it was a, it was a crazy time. Double whammy. Time. <laughs> yes. And I was alone. I was completely alone because of the COVID, uh, my kids and I had, Two, one was in college and two were still at home and they had to go to their dad's house. And I remember for eight days, I was alone in bed, very sick, um, which was ironic considering I had just gotten the, the vaccine that I was so adamantly against, uh, but I was forced to take it to keep my job. And so then the irony of then me getting COVID after I took it, um, while I was suspended for talking about all of those things, it was just a lot. Um, but I was heartbroken uh, because of what was happening. I was so sick um, and was watching everything go down on social media and online and, and the, uh, you know, the attacks and the death threats and everything just for being true to myself. Um, and I remember one night I actually got, I, I was having breathing problems and I felt my heart just race, 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 race. And I was like, this has been days I need to take my, and I had no one. Uh, so I, I got in the shower to take myself to the hospital and it was like three in the morning and then, you know, been in bed for a couple days and I got up and I fell over and realized if I fall in the shower and hit my head, no one's going to find me because I'm alone. So, I just had to, yeah, I just had to like pray that God would get me through the night because I didn't know if I was, I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, mm. I should have called an ambulance, but I just prayed instead and woke up the next day and just realized, okay, I'm still here. And then, you know, as the work stuff continued, I just, I just thought God must have me here for a reason. And then eventually decided to, you know, stand up for myself. Um, I'll say this. 
because obviously I can't talk too much about it. Um, when, once I decided to just kind of uh, stand up for myself, um, you know, I've gone into work every single day and gone on the air every single day because I love my job. Mm. I love it. Mm. I love Sports Center. I love my co-host, Matt Berry. I love the guests. I love the chaos. I love it all. I have the best 16 years at ESPN. The best team I've ever been on is this new and Eastern Sports Center. I love it. But that first day going back to work when I'd been suspended, my parents came to literally physically and mentally lift me off the ground. And they're like, you can do this. And my best friend, Tiffany was here. Who's also my makeup artist. And, um, as I'm walking out the door, my dad's like, come here and huddle up and we're going to say a prayer. And it's St. Michael, the Archangel. It's what we say at the end of all the Catholic masses. Um, and it's beautiful. And it, it, you know, asks for strength, but also to push away, um, the wickedness and snares of the devil and all of evil that can come at you. And I now know I have, I have proof of all the evil that can come at you in many different ways, even ways that you, that it's the wolf in sheep's clothing type thing. Right. I know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so since that moment in October, 2021, when I walked out the door scared to go back to work because I, because there was so much hatred, um, we huddled up and said that prayer. And since that day, every single day when I'm, when I'm, I drive to work, I get into the parking lot at ESPN and I call my parents and they recite that prayer to me every day before I walk in. So that faith has been awesome, knowing that I can compartmentalize better than I ever thought and be scared and sad and heartbroken and ticked off at a lot of people, um, but put it in the back of my mind and then walk my butt in those studios that you're familiar with and get on the air and be myself and care and be passionate and proud, mm. proud that I'm still here. And despite many people not wanting me to be in that position, um, no one was going to, no one was going to take that from me. We'll see what the future holds, but that faith and strength from my mom and dad and to, to encourage me we come together and say that prayer every day and mm. to walk out there and put everything aside and do my job. Um, what a blessing to have had that strength. And that st begins and ends with God. Well, once again, the spirit just reminding me by prayer and petition, we present our requests to God. That's, that's what they're doing and, and you're doing in praying that prayer is you walk I'm sorry, into sorry, I tell such long stories. I'm sorry. It's like, uh, it needs the nope. background because I visualize every day being on that floor when I fell and I was so sick and I had no one to take me kids, a spouse. I had nobody. Yeah. And it was like, that was a turning point in my life to get yeah. back up when the, literally the world had already canceled me. So. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. And, and I think of your dad too, Sage. Um, one of my first above and beyonds was Tony Dungy. Oh, and, wow. oh, it was just great. And I played for him for two years and I don't know if you've cried, I'm sure you've crossed paths with him. It's at some point along the way, but a man whose perception and reality as I like to say are exactly what, what in, in a world that that's often blurred 
his perception of who people think he is and the reality of who he is is the exact same, which is an amazing gift and conviction. But he talked about his dad and the impact his dad, who like your dad had to fight through, (laughs) fight through a lot of stuff and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of pain and a lot of racism. And his dad would constantly remind him, you know, what are you going to do to make it better? What are you going to do to make it better? And Tony talked about in college, just wanting to quit. He was so, even in Tony's years there at the University of Minnesota, you know, he was, he was so judged by the color of his skin to play the position he did. He was a quarterback in that day. And, you know, his dad constantly that refrain of what are you going to do to make it better? What are you going to do to make it better? And I think of your dad's refrain, which does come from his military background, the harder right the harder right. And as you shared so many of these stories in your own personal life, not only the scripture there, Philippians four, but how many times is that had to, for you resonate? Okay. You're going to have to oh. make the harder right choice here. You know what? Way too many times. It's been annoying how many times I've had to push through and choose the harder right. I'm like, enough, God, enough, enough. Okay. I'm so tired of having to take the harder route. It, it, it's exhausting. But, 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 but not even but it's exhausting and cause it can be both. And it's just a hundred percent the right thing. And I'm, I, I am grateful for that strength. It is. Yes. Help me to choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong. And to never tell me a half truth when the whole can be one. I say it almost every time I speak anywhere. I said it one of the most, the biggest honors I've had uh, as far as speaking goes is at um, the commencement at Indiana, my alma mater in 2015. And I said it then I've said it, my kids, my kids know it, my kids memorized it. They're annoyed by it too. Um, and it, what it does though, is it makes things easier because I believe that nine times out of 10 more 99.999% we know what's right. We just don't want to do it. We don't want to hear it. And I don't want to hear it a lot. Frankly, there's a lot of things I'd like to say to a lot of people and I can't say it's not the right thing. Um, and, and the way I'd like to say it is not definitely not the right thing. (laughs) I have to watch that part, you know, but it is, it makes it easier, the harder, right versus the easier wrong. And if that just means you shove the, you, you want to shove the grocery cart up on the curb in front of your car because you're in a rush, but really, is that the right thing? Because some poor kid is going to have to come pick up your mess because you're too busy. It's all about you. Um, if it's having a difficult conversation with someone, if, what if it's, what if it's standing up for yourself and, 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 and standing up for what you believe is right, not just for you or for your family, but how about for people that you don't even know, you know, whether it's stuff that's related to my work or my neighborhood or whatever it is, it, I now refuse to not do that. Now I am very far from perfect and there are things I'm working on daily to get better. Um, a lot. But I know that that's, and that's my core, and I'm very, very grateful for it. I, I covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 98 to 01 when Tony Dungy was the head coach. And that man changed me too. I was blessed enough to go to cover uh, one of his uh, prison... Um, outreach. What you, mm-hmm. What's that? Yeah, one of his prison outreach kind of ministries. Outreach. And I believe mm-hmm. it was outside of Orlando. We all got on a bus and um, went with him. And it was one of the coolest stories I've done, but it moved me as a human being. And that's what I've always said to people is the kindness that you see in Tony Dungy in front of a microphone. And I'm talking when he was coaching more than NBC now, right? 
he's that times a hundred. And even in the toughest positions, the toughest moments, he leads with grace and he leads with his faith. And he, every, I, every time I saw him for a while after that, every time I'd see him, I'd get emotional. And he's like, why are you crying every time you see me? I'm like, because I love you because you're, because he's that good. Yeah. And the NFL, man, sports, the world needs more Tony Dungy's. It broke my heart to see how he was attacked earlier this year. And I'm like, you know what? You people, stop it. Stop it. Um, but if anyone can handle it, it's Tony. And he has, I have many of his books right here. He's inspired me um, endlessly. And I, I remember one time in particular where I had to ask a tough question. Offense wasn't looking good. And um, I remember the roster. I won't go through it now. But he had had to fire one of his offensive coordinators. And I remember, no one had to tell me to ask the question, but I knew it had been a couple years and it was towards the end, probably 2000, 2001. And and I had to say in front of the big scrum, I'm like, you know, you've had to fire these people. Um, at what point is it on you as the head coach? And mm. I remember being nervous to ask the question because, hey, right or wrong, it does come down to being the head coach when everyone else is getting fired. And I, and I, but I tried to ask it in a kind way. And I remember at one point, a couple of years later, apologizing to him because I did certain coaches. I was fine asking that question with because of how they treated me and many others. But with him in particular, I felt sick to my stomach. He answered it in a beautiful way, like Tony would. But that tells you how I felt about him because I knew it was the right thing. I had to ask the question. Fortunately, he received it the right way because he knew he knew it was it was a fair, fair question. But he's there's no one like him. We need more. And I'm glad he retired, though. I'm glad he's doing other things. Let's uh, let's land the plane here. Thank you for sharing so much of your heart. I did not mean to make you cry. A few of these episodes, no, okay. tears, tears have definitely, <laughs> and I have as well. It, here. You know what? It's me, and I, I'm not afraid. Like yeah. good, bad, ugly. I, I, that's what I. I'm so grateful for the peace in my heart now to not be afraid to be just myself, even when it's ugly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I worked this season. It was such a blessing to to, and I had worked with Allison Williams at ESPN. And to see her story come back around yes. and to, to work alongside her once again this year, one of the most talented, if not the most talented reporter, sideline reporter that I've worked with in my 15, 16 years. And, so and we talked, she's so good. And she too had to make a really hard choice. She had to do the hard right for her and in a hard right that was medically told to her and, and by her, her doctors and everything else uh, with where she was in, in her life at that time. And she made that harder choice. And when you said earlier, there's an and and a but, I thought you were going to go the direction that she has a number of times. And that is, but the impact on others has been profound. But the words that I've received have been profound. But the blessings that have come from those that that have written me and have emailed me and that I see because I've seen it in her life and I'm in a guest stage and a dear friend of mine that I just worked a USFL game wanted me to tell you just how much he appreciates the stance that you're taking as hard as it is. And I'm going to guess that you've been on that side of it as well. Fairly overwhelmed, overwhelmed, overwhelmed. I think unfortunately, if we only pay attention to social media, it's pretty ugly and it's such a, what I have learned and I'm just, hard-headed in it. I was receiving such the negativity and that's on me for allowing that. Um, but you know, it's a very, 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 it's a minority, but a very loud vocal minority. And they're the ones that are pushed 
to the top for whatever reason. Um, my website, which I had just kind of started um, when it all went crazy, my sister-in-law who oversees it was like, you have got to read these sage. She would call me in tears. Just like, read this, read this, read this. What about this? Thousands and thousands of emails from people that I'll never meet from across the world because when it when it involves Disney or it got global, you know, I mean, in our little world, global, I guess. Mm-hmm. Messages that made me just cry. And especially when I was alone and in that bed and sick. And uh, I'm so grateful for them. And I continue to receive them. Rand, I, I was at Whole Foods yesterday getting groceries for my kids for the week. And this man stopped me with his wife and said, thank you. Um, I, I, I just, uh, I can't, I can't say enough how much that means because people don't have to take the time to reach out. That's a choice that they make. I only wish I had more hours in the day where I could re- respond to all of them because they have kept me going. Um, that and knowing that this is so much bigger than me. I just happen to be the person that I believe God chose to, to be one of the voices. Uh, cause I'm one of many, right. Um, but not many in this industry <laughs> who have probably, yeah. And I've just chosen to, to, to do it. And I feel like it's my calling. I feel like along with being a mother, I now know why I'm on this earth. And that is because I'm no longer afraid um, to stand up for what I believe is right. Because long after I'm gone, long after, um, whether it's from my current job, my current, the industry off this earth, I hope that by standing up for people who don't have a voice, cause that's the message. Those are the messages I received thousands from people is I, I don't have a platform. Please, 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 please don't stop. It is my duty. And I do believe that's why God has me here. And that's why he's been, he's chosen to keep me strong enough to be able to go to work every day, even when I've been scared and to represent with a smile on my face that is truly genuine. Um, so I know why I'm here and that's kind of cool to know that it's so much bigger than my little drama. Kind of cool. It's pretty amazing generationally because when I think of the story you told of your mom long after she's gone, the choice that she made when I think of your dad, (laughs) And long after he's gone, the choice that he made uh, to be the first African-American at West Point, right? When, as you said, long after you're gone, people will remember, you know, the the stand. So I guess I would ask you one last final question. And that is those that may be in a similar position that the Lord has in a similar position in their lives, either their work or their career, um, you know, family, whatever, where they're facing maybe that trial, that difficult time. What would be your counsel to them to make the right, the harder right? Let go. I do believe it is harder to let go and have that faith sometimes because we all want to control things and we want answers now. My goodness. I am, I'm a lot more patient than I thought. And that's because I know that every little bump in the road, I'm learning from it. And I don't even feel like it's a test. Some people say God's testing. I don't feel like it's a test. I just know that, okay. I thought it was going this direction, down this road, and apparently it's going over here. And I don't know why, but I'm just going to go with it. And, it. and and that, if we say we have faith, then that's how we have to follow through. We have no choice or else we don't have faith. Faith, is that's what the definition is, right? Is to believe and let go when you, when you, when you don't necessarily want to. 
I do believe God has a plan. Um, and my mom always said it. And now I really, really believe it. Um, and I've learned that letting go, I have so much more peace in my heart. Even though, it doesn't mean there's not some fear still, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not maybe fear is a strong word. Maybe it's just um, concern. Because I don't know what tomorrow brings. I literally do not know what tomorrow brings. Um, and that's scary. But I just know that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. God has, for whatever reason, chosen to take really good care of me, despite many, many things. I don't believe it's going to stop now. And I hope that others who are going through things can 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 rely on him as well. Um, it does make life easier. Um, and it is truly what faith is all about. I'm just so grateful that my parents instilled that in me um, from day one. And I will tell you, my oldest daughter is 21 and in college. Her faith is shining so brightly right now. It is incredible. And it's more her influence right now that is resonating with my younger two kids than mine. And what an incredible blessing. And uh, sometimes I say, why me? Why has God chosen to take care of me when I haven't always felt like I've deserved it? Um, He believes we all deserve it. Deserve isn't even the right word. It's just, it's like, hey, dummy, why aren't you here to receive it? Like, stop. So I've, I've let go and I'm here for the taking. And, you know, we'll see. But what a blessing every day is. Above and Beyond, the intersection of faith and sports. Subscribe to receive every episode at aboveandbeyondpodcast.com.